Hello, I didn't see you there. Welcome to Digging Up Ancient Aliens. My name is Frederick and I'm your host for this bonus episode and, well, the other one so far. Usually we examine the TV show Ancient Aliens from an archaeological perspective with the help of critical thinking and skepticism. In episode 22 we did encounter though a short story by Ambrose Bierce that the show thought was a great example of an alien abduction. So let's sit down for a moment and listen to it. Make yourself comfortable and we will let Dizzy bring us back in time. The Difficulty of Crossing a Field by Ambrose Spears First published in the San Francisco Examiner, August 14, 1888. One morning in July, 1854, a planner named Williamson, living six miles from Selma, Alabama, was sitting with his wife and a child on the veranda of his dwelling. Immediately in front of the house was a lawn, perhaps 50 yards in extent between the house and the public road, or as it was called, the pike. Beyond this road lay a close crop pasture of some ten acres, level and without a tree, rock, or any natural or artificial object on its surface. At the time, there was not even a domestic animal in the field. In another field, beyond the pasture, a dozen slaves were at work under an overseer. Throwing away the stump of a cigar, the planter rose, saying, I forgot to tell Andrew about those horses. Andrew was the overseer. Williamson strolled leisurely down the gravel walk, plucking a flower as he went, passed across the road and into the pasture, pausing a moment as he closed the gate leading into it to greet a passing neighbor, Armour Wren, who lived in an adjoining plantation. Mr. Wren was in an open carriage with his son James, a lad of 13. When he had driven some 200 yards from the point of meeting, Mr. Wren said to his son, I forgot to tell Mr. Williamson about those horses. Mr. Wren had sold to Mr. Williamson some horses, which were to have been sent for that day, but for some reason not now remembered, it would be inconvenient to deliver them until tomorrow. The coachman was directed to drive back, and as the vehicle turned, Williamson was seen by all three walking leisurely across the pasture. At that moment, one of the coach horses stumbled and came near falling. It had no more than fairly recovered itself when James Wren cried, Why, Father, what has become of Mr. Williamson? It is not the purpose of this narrative to answer that question. Mr. Wren's strange account of the matter, given under oath in the course of legal proceedings, relating to the Williamson estate, here follows. My son's exclamation caused me to look forward and spot where I had seen the deceased an instant before, but he was not there nor was he anywhere visible. I cannot say at the moment I was greatly startled or realized the gravity of the occurrence, though I thought it singular. My son, however, was greatly astonished and kept repeating his question in different forms until we arrived at the gate. My black boy, Sam, was similarly affected, even in a greater degree, but I reckon more by my son's manner than by anything he had himself observed. This sentence in the testimony was stricken out. As we got out of the carriage at the gate of the field, and while Sam was hanging the team to the fence, Mrs. Williamson, with her child in her arms and followed by several servants, were running down the walk in great excitement, crying, He is gone! He's gone! Oh, God, what an awful thing! 
and many such other exclamations, which I did not distinctly recollect. I got from them the impression that they related to something more, more than the mere disappearance of her husband, even if that had occurred before her eyes. Her manner was wild, but not more so, I think, than was natural under the circumstances. I have no reason to think she had at that time lost her mind. I have never since seen or heard of Mr. Williamson. This testimony, as might have been expected, was corroborated in almost every particular by the only other eyewitness, if that is a proper term, the lad James. Mrs. Williamson had lost her reason, and the servants were, of course, not competent to testify. The boy James Wren had declared at first that he saw the disappearance, but there is nothing of this in his testimony given in court. None of the field hands working in the field to which Williamson was going had seen him at all, and the most rigorous search of the entire plantation and adjoining country failed to supply a clue. The most monstrous and grotesque fictions, originating with the African-American, were current in that part of the state for many years, and probably are to this day. But what has been here related is all that is certainly known of the matter. The courts decided that Williamson was dead, and his estate was distributed according to the law. Now, a couple of things are going on in the story, but it differ from what was told in the ancient alien program. We don't see any strange circles or voices coming from the beyond. Looking at it closer, we start to see that it might be about different experience of a singular event. While some was looking away and didn't see anything, others saw different things and had different ideas about what was really happening. It is as if Ambrose is trying to explore the fallibility of memory and how unreliable our understanding of our surrounding can really be. I think it can be uh, good to highlight how Ambrose Pierce pictured the African-Americans in the story as easily spooked and spreading these grotesque superstitions. But um, Ambrose Pierce has in other stories tried to explore different viewpoints. Take for example the short story Shikamuga, in which he explores a battlefree field from a six-year-old's child's perspective. The age make it more complicated for the child to really comprehend the horrors of war and to render the child more of an outsider is also deaf as you continue on in the story. It's it's an uh, exciting exploration beer set up for us during the story and I feel that this is in a similar um, spirit, exploring one experience through the eyes of severals. He is also exploring the fleetive perspective of characters in The Death of Halpin Fraser. Ambrose might not have been a skeptic, but reading his work indicates that he was not really into mysteries or esoterics, even if he's mainly known as a horror writer. For example, The Devil's Dictionary defines a ghost as the outward and visible sign of inward fear. About Freemasons, Ambrose writes that um, their sign is strangely found worldwide, but isn't it a bit weird that it's only Freemasons who find them? And lastly, on esotericism, he's writing uh, very particularly abstruse and consummately occult. 
So if you want to hear more about Ambrose Pierce, we discuss his disappearance and claimed ancient alien legacy in episode 22. So please go and check that out. If you want to learn more about the podcast or have any comments about what you heard, visit Digging Up Ancient Aliens 2, where you find my email and a lot more. Even now, t-shirts, sweatshirts, and um, more (laughs) t-shirts. Check that out too. Until next time, keep shoveling that science. Illuminati som styr våran jord Tillsammans med människor, reptiler, sanna mina ord Sanna För att inte öka deras imperium När de fick mänsklig etikett Innan de slussas ut från Maria 
Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. Remember that we have a subscription going on. You can become a patron or other subscriber for as little as $2.50 per episode. Go to diggingupancientaliens.com support. That is, go to diggingupancientaliens.com support to read more information and sign up right there. 